iHub Radio, reinventing talk radio in the Coachella Valley, homemade for the rest of us. Live from Palm Springs, the intersection of arts, entertainment, and the desert scene. This is The Culture Corner with Bonnie Gilgallen. And good Saturday to you and welcome to The Culture Corner on iHub Radio. Um, we're still all in the midst of this uh, these crazy times, stay-at-home order and no live theater and all that stuff. Of course, it's for our own good. We want to stay safe. But it's been really tough on a lot of folks, the uh, hospitality industry, restaurants, theaters, etc. And um, we thought that we'd do a couple special shows and talk to some folks who know a lot about those industries as to how things are going. So first off today, we're really excited to have Bruce Fessier with us on the phone, um, who was the um, special projects writer, covered all kinds of entertainment, theater, concerts for 40 years at the Desert Sun. Hi, Bruce. How are you? Hey, Bonnie. How you doing? Good. So before we get into what's going on now, let's get just do a little background with you. So you were with the Desert Sun really for 40 years. That's a long time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I co-founded the Desert Theater League back in 1987. That's right. So that's right. a long time, too. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, special projects. So you did, I know you did theater and you did concerts. What other kinds of stuff did you, I know you covered other things there as well, right? Yeah, there was just a story that uh, was that the Desert Sun put out, I think, yesterday that uh, is about six years old. That was my history of the mafia in the Coachella Valley, the five-part series, and uh, that was very popular. Um, I, I I covered. I, I like to think I covered personalities more than I covered any particular beat. Um, there, uh, when I got here, there was such a wealth of material in the people who lived in the Coachella Valley. There were there were there are great writers, there are great directors, great actors. So I, you know, I got to interview people from Frank Sinatra to Frank Capra, and uh, it was just like, just I always have loved libraries, and I felt like I was living in a giant library. That's great. So tell me about. So did you did you uh, uh, chat with have a lot of interaction with Frank Sinatra, and what was he really like in person? Well, no, I didn't have a lot of interaction with him. He was not a guy who was really open with the media, <laughs> which yeah. is sort of yeah. an understatement. Uh, um, I would, I would, I would meet him at at events, uh, and uh, I did go to his house a couple times. Uh, one time, neither neither time that he actually knew I was coming to his house. And one time that I was there, and he discovered I was there, it didn't go real well. He he, he walked out, and Barbara, Barbara had invited me there, and and uh, he walked out, and he goes, "What the hell's going on here?" And I was stunned that Frank didn't that Barbara didn't tell Frank that I was actually coming to his home, Oops. and. Uh, you know, so so for Barbara just kind of stammered, kind of like I'm stammering now, and I just sat there, kind of smiling, <laughs> and uh, he he accepted that, and he turned around and walked away. So I, I had several conversations with him over the year, but my one extensive interview with him was actually by fax. Oh. So. <laughs> was that was it way back when? Was it a difficult interview, even by fax? Uh, no, he was actually very open. He uh, he talked about his life in the desert and and uh, 
he he, he didn't uh, he answered every question that I asked, which is a little unusual because oftentimes when you have to submit questions to someone in writing, um, mm-hmm. they don't they don't respond. In fact, uh, I, the last time I think I did that was with John Meacham when he was speaking at the Ranch Mirage Writers Festival, and and I've always admired John Meacham, but uh, he was he had written this book, Songs of America. And um, I, well, he's written a lot of books, and I didn't want to just write about one particular book. And I sent him a, a lot of questions, and they were kind of difficult. And he just decided he didn't want to answer any of them. So you know, that's, that's the way it goes. Yeah. So um, what? What? I want to get back to the mafia for a second. What made you decide to do a whole series on the mafia in the desert? Because I used to encounter them all the time. <laughs> they, I mean, they had a huge presence here in the Coachella Valley. Uh, I mean, they, they came here to vacation just like everybody else did. And uh, Tony Accardo, who was in charge of the Chicago Mafia, declared, and, and which was probably the most successful of any family-run mafia operation in the country, uh, he had a place at Indian Wells Country Club. He, first, he started living in Palm Springs, and he, he actually rented a place originally in the 60s, and then he, then he, he bought, uh, bought a house at Indian Wells Country Club, and eventually so many people uh, moved around him in Indian Wells Country Club, they called that country club Little Italy. And uh, he just he just ordered that there would be no violence in the Coachella Valley while any of those guys were here. And uh, there was one kind one time when a guy named Ray Ryan. Are you familiar with that name? He owned the El Mirador Hotel. Sounds vaguely uh, familiar. Was very, yeah, he was he was he was very um, he was very wealthy and he was very community conscious. They called him Mr. Palm Springs because he was involved in so many charitable activities. But he was uh, um, a very, I don't know if I'd call him a notorious gambler, but he was a very good gambler. And he did a lot of high stake games, mostly in Las Vegas. And he got into one. Naturally, when you're doing when you're in high stake gambling games in Las Vegas, you're going to be playing with some some mobsters. Sure. And uh, he got into a, he got into a conflict with some mobsters in Las Vegas, and uh, one of them wound up going into jail, and they ordered a hit on him. But because he was living in Palm Springs, he always felt safe. And then uh, he flew to Evansville, Indiana, in 1977, and he got into his car, and it blew up. So oh, it was my a God. very real, yeah, it was a it was a very real scene here. And I, I would meet a lot of these guys. And one day, my editor, Greg Burton, saw a picture of me with a couple of people I lovingly term as goombas. And basically, they were Italian soldiers. And uh, he was just fascinated by it. And I would tell him stories of encounters that I had. And uh, he, he started saying, you got to write a story on that. I go, no, I don't really think I want to do that story. And... <laughs> And, and the really, really, the reason I didn't want to do it is because the Desert Sun never gave you the time to do something really serious and, and, and yeah. a, on a sensitive subject like that. I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to agree to do a history of the mafia in two weeks. You right. Know? Right. And and after three years of discussing this, Greg finally said, "I'm going to give you six months." And uh, starting in the summertime when there was nothing going on, 
And mm-hmm. well, I mean, there's things going on, but I mean, it was the load was a little lighter. Yeah. And uh, so I was able to start doing interviews, and we wound up with a five-part series that won won several several good awards. Cool. So yeah, that's interesting that one gentleman said there should be no violence. So you never felt nervous about your own physical safety when you were working on that story? Not really, because it was more historical than it was um, anything else. In fact, uh, just this morning, um, after they put that story, or they, they promoted that story again, um, I had a conversation with Todd Goldberg, who had, you know, Todd from from UC uh, um, yes. UC Riverside Palm Desert. Um, he had he had written. Uh, uh, a couple of books uh, on that were mobster oriented, and and uh, um, I, I, I wrote a story about him about growing up in Palm Springs and having his own encounters with mobsters here, and and that was part of my series. Actually, that's how I ended the series, where we were talking about going into the future. And after I finished writing that story, I actually uh, read about somebody else who had operated here in the 1990s and and then he um went on to he went on to new york and he basically betrayed this mob boss who was who's still in palm springs and um he went undercover and he wound up writing a book about his adventures and Mm. and uh uh, and so so i was (laughs) i was just asking Todd about that uh, this morning, and, I, and I, I said, and he told me that his, his editor was the same uh, uh, editor who, wrote, who, who um, uh, edited that book called Break Shot, and, hmm. and uh, I said, so did your editor actually know this guy? And he said, no, he, he actually worked with the co-author of that book. So, mm. so tell us, I know so you retired guy, from the Desert Sun, so now you're doing all kinds of stuff, freelance writing, teaching. So, yeah. But you're working on a book now. Tell us about that one. Well, this one is uh, really called an, about the road to Coachella. Uh, it started off as something that Paul Tillett, the founder of Coachella, asked me to write when I was considering leaving the Desert Sun in 2015. And I was considering leaving the Desert Sun because they were having their first round of, of buyouts at that time, and uh, they were doing. They were. We had been on furloughs for, since since 2010, and and you know the the, the newspaper industry wasn't doing really well. Right. And he said that he was he had commissioned somebody else to do a book on the history of Coachella, and he thought that maybe I sh- I could write about what preceded Coachella. And I, I frankly thought that didn't really have enough of a national scope to be, to, to be a really big seller that would help me survive if I left the Desert Sun. So I declined at that time. And then uh, in, in 2018, Desert Sun started offering some more buyouts. And at that point, Paul said, you know, we're, we're still – hoping to have this book on, on, on the history of Coachella. And he had had a Los Angeles times writer committed to doing that book. And he said, how would you like to do a, 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 a an introduction or a forward that would just be like a chapter on the road to Coachella? And I said, yeah, that sounds pretty interesting. And then I, so then I took the desert sun buyout and I started working on it and I realized I couldn't possibly tell that story in one chapter. 
So right. then I just started, I just continued writing, and um, I just discovered that I needed to do a lot more research. And the, the road to Coachella is not just a, a physical road. It's, 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 it's symbol. There are metaphors for what the roads to Coachella are. There's even metaphysical roads to Coachella. And I'm trying to figure out what are the best roads to approach and and just kind of consolidate before I do some more interviews. So I've got I've got most of my research done, but I'm still in the writing in the in the writing of the treatment phase. And then I'll then I'll take it back to, to Paul and have hopefully have him uh, set up some major interviews for me. And it's I'm I'm probably about maybe two years away from really finishing it. That's what I was going to ask if you had a target date. Yeah, two years, yeah. And uh, we're, we're going to take a break in a minute, and then when we come back, I want to talk really about what's happening here in the Valley with theater and what you see as the future of it. But you're also, are you teaching class somewhere on, online, or tell, tell us about that. Yeah, well, I just uh, I just finished a, a class just before the uh, isolation began. Uh, my I taught a class February 29th in Joshua Tree National Park, on the history of the high desert music scene. The, oh, it was great. called the, the, the music and the legends of, of Joshua Tree. And that, in, that included a lot more than just the music. It included the people like uh, John Edward Dingle, who started the Institute of Metaphysics, and Alex yeah. Crowley, and a whole bunch of other people. And so it was very interesting. Okay, Bruce, hang on with us. When we come back, we're going to talk about the, the few, what kind of future does the live theater have in the Valley with all this stuff. We'll be right back with Bruce Bessier. You're listening to Culture Corner and iHub Radio. Local talk that's moving the needle. Art exhibitions to modernism, music festivals to live theater. If it's happening in the Coachella Valley, it's on the Culture Corner with Bonnie G. And we are back on the Culture Corner on iHub Radio with Bruce Fessier, a former uh, special projects writer with the Desert Sun for 40 years and now writing a book. So, Bruce, what do you see as the future for you know, big entertainment uh, events, live theater, concerts, Coachella Fest, all that kind of stuff. Obviously, I, I don't think, you know, none of that's going to happen tomorrow, but how do you see that sort of being phased in? And do you think it's going to be permanently changed in the sense of people are going to have to sit, you know, three rows away from each other? But how do you see that uh, coming, sort of coming back to the valley? Well, it's going to be phased in, and the smaller companies are going to have the best chance for success. Uh, I, I really am concerned about uh, Coachella happening in, in October, and, and uh, uh, so because the largest events are, are going to be the last ones that are going to be phased out of shelter in place. Right. And, uh, you know, how many people are even going to want to be near people uh, just so soon after the pandemic? Uh, smaller companies, the theater companies like script to stage to, to screen, I, they're going to be fine. And, and there are companies that um, 
like like MTU uh, is is still operating right now at a very high level, although you might consider it like an underground operation. But uh, they've been having these these Broadway stars who have been coming on on Zoom and the students who attend MTU and that's Musical Theater University held at Rancho Mirage High School of course they've been they've been able to listen to these a big, to big Broadway stars uh, talk about their careers uh, and I I got to listen to one of them with a with a woman who um She's 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 going to be playing Liza Minnelli. I wish I could remember her name right now, but she was talking about uh, uh, her. She she went to New York to have a stage career, and she auditioned uh, as Liza Minnelli, and she got this part. And they're making they're making a movie on Liza Minnelli, and she's going to be an un, a basic unknown actress who's going to be playing a major role. So yeah. so they're still do, they're still doing great things, and once once. Um, once, uh, um, what is it, Agua, Agua, what used to be Agua Paz, the, the Agua opens up again. You know, they're going to bring their students and do these great musicals that they do in the restaurant. So they're mm-hmm. going to be fine. If yeah. the, um, the company, CD rep might have some problems because, yeah. you know, they yeah. had to lay, they, they laid off their part-time employees. They asked their full-time employees to take pay cuts. And they've got a big nut to crack in trying to raise money to keep that beautiful theater that they've got in in the in the black still operating. Yeah. So, yeah. so I think I would hope that actually that there'd be some um, some some condensation, con, some, some reunions or something uh, where the theaters could actually work together. Um, like we really envisioned them to work together when we when we started the Desert Theater League in the '80s. Right. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if Ron Salona is going to want to lend his theater to other theater companies, but there's the, the theater companies have to actually work together much more closely than they're working together now. Yeah, I think that's. I think you're absolutely right. I think that probably is the only way to survive. And now your your wife Jane uh, teaches um, kids, uh, and is she teaching online? Does she is she with MTU or who does she teach with? She's she's got uh, her own theater company that is is now working with MTU. Actually, it's called the MTU Theater Kids. It used to be called Jane Fessier's Theater Kids. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she's uh, she's still working with. Uh, She's got 17 students, and she's on the phone all day long, uh, talking to them on FaceTime and on Zoom, or or just working on monologues over the phone. So um, that you know the education uh, the education element has managed to uh, find new ways to 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 operate in this pandemic, and mm-hmm. I think College of the Desert College of the Desert is going to come out of this fine also. In yeah. fact, they're probably they're probably going to find ways that they can um, continue to operate with methods that, that they discovered during this pandemic. Like there's, there is a choreographer uh, for, for MTU who's based in Los Angeles and she's discovered that she could actually teach her, teach students how to hit their marks and, and execute their choreography by Zoom, so she doesn't have to drive in from Los Angeles all the time to be able to teach students. So it, it it might make it might make theater and a lot of the performing arts much more efficient. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's some silver linings to a lot of this. And, and I've also thought, gosh, wouldn't if this, imagine if this had happened, you know, 40 years ago, of course it did 100 years ago, but 40, 50 years ago, and we didn't have Skype and Zoom and FaceTime and all that, would have been a lot tougher, you know, for everybody, yeah. I think. Yeah. And tell yeah, me about well, real quick, you know, we're almost out of time, but um, uh, you do some freelance writing. So in addition to the book, are you writing things for other publications right now? Yeah, I just did a story for Palm Springs Life. Um, I I did a story for Empire Polo Club Magazine on on the history of Coachella, and uh, um, I, I keep I, I've even written a couple of stories for the Desert Sun that uh, um, I don't get paid for. And, and after I have a one year deal where I I agreed I, I wouldn't um, write for pay for the Desert Sun for one year. And that's up on June 4th. And so I might, I'm, if they want me, you know, I'll be available to write some stories for them at that time. Well, good. Well, Bruce Fessier, thank you so very much for being here. Thank you for your years of contribution to the Valley, especially in the entertainment world. And good luck on your book. And when you get closer, I want to have you back on and talk about the book when it comes out, okay? Thanks a lot, Bonnie. All right, stay safe. Say hi to Jane. All right, Bruce Fessier, thank you so much. We'll be back with the Culture Corner with Mitch Gershenfeld from the McCallum Theater in just a bit. Local talk that's moving the needle. Art exhibitions to modernism, music festivals to live theater. If it's happening in the Coachella Valley, it's on the Culture Corner with Bonnie G. And we are, we are back on the Culture Corner on IHub Radio. We're trying to get a hold of Mitch Gershenfeld. I know he's up sheltering in place up in Oregon. Um, we have a cell phone number for him. We're trying to get a hold of him. But in the meantime, and he, of course, is the um, acting CEO director of the McCallum Theater right now. I wanted to talk to him about how McCallum is handling all this and what they're doing, what their sort of plans are as far as easing back into um, some partial semblance of normalcy. Obviously, it's going to be a while to world, quote unquote, back to normal. Um, but I wanted to ask him about next season. What are they planning? What about ticket sales? What about seating? If you have one of these large theaters, as Bruce was talking about CV Rep, when you have a large theater, of course, it's a gorgeous theater. How are you going to handle this? Even when we're kind of sticking our toe in the water and easing back into uh, having social gatherings, I don't think everyone wants to, you know, in the next week, just jump into having 300 people sitting elbow to elbow next to each other in a theater. So I'm wondering how theaters are going to handle that um, with having people show up, having audiences and performances so the theaters can stay alive and we can all have live entertainment again, but still have some sense of a little bit of distance and, and um, wariness and trying to keep you know everybody healthy as we ease back into this. It's, you know, it's a, it's not an easy thing. So I have a lot of uh, friends. If you are a big Facebook person, you probably noticed a um, lot of musicians, singer, musician friends are doing live stream little mini concerts on Facebook. And actually, I'm going to be doing one this Sunday, 5 p.m., calling it Sunday Serenade. Just going to do you know, four or five songs uh, live on Facebook with my partner, Eric, playing the piano. It's a great way to uh, reach out to your friends and uh, fans and people that come see you normally during the season if you're performing to stay in touch with them to share your music to put a smile on somebody's face and to also um, 
work your craft. If you're a performer, we all, those of us who are performers, you have it in your blood and it's really um, frustrating not to be able to do it. Um, and of course, singing by yourself in a room is fine, but it's really fun to be able to share your music uh, with other people, even if it's electronically, even if it's via Facebook. So I know a lot of people, friends of mine have done this. I know Darcy Daniels and Michael Holmes were doing a live stream from the Purple Room for a while, distanced with Mark Caney on the piano and um, Jay Lewis on the drums. They have stopped that, but um, I know Rose Millette's been doing live streams. Um, uh, Philip Moore did some. Uh, Jeff Stewart, Francesco Omari. Um, let's see who else has been doing live streams. Uh, oh, um, Rose Kingsley, a lot of folks. So I'm going to be doing one this Sunday. Hope you'll tune in. Facebook Live, 5 p.m. Sunday Serenade with Eric Franks on the piano. Um, so the, it's there are a lot of different ways that people can stay connected, and I'm trying to look at the silver linings to all of this. Obviously, it's a terrible situation we're in. This is a devastating. Uh, vi- deadly illness, virus, very contagious. A lot of businesses are shut down. A lot of people losing money. People have lost jobs. They're on unemployment. They're having tr- trouble paying their bills. Um, of course, people are getting sick and dying. We've lost th- 35,000 plus Americans to this, and it's horrible. But then while we're all dealing with this, there's only we can't really change that what's happening at the moment. All we can do is do our part to stay home, shelter in place, not go out unless it's necessary. Wear your gloves, wear your mask, stay six feet apart. Um, uh, do our part, but also to try to find the positive, any any positive aspects to all this, which I think there are a few. I think um, uh, time at home either alone or with just with your nuclear family people you live with it's a way to reconnect with the people that live in your household maybe in a closer way than you had been before because everybody's running 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 to just reconnect with them and sit down and talk play a board game watch a movie just connect in a way that maybe you hadn't been doing before also a lot of at-home projects, whether it's yard work, cleaning out closets, cleaning out um, storage rooms, garages, working on creative projects that maybe you hadn't been able to work on for a while. Maybe you've thought about writing a book. Maybe you've already started writing a book. Maybe you're writing music. Maybe you've always wanted to get back to your painting or um, crochet or knitting or uh, making model airplanes. But also, I think, looking inside, going inside of yourself a lot of people I think um, sometimes that's a little bit of a scary prospect for some people to sit in a quiet room and with your own thoughts and your own feeling and your own aura and just sit down and, and meditate and go inside and just see make sure you're on the path in life that you really want to be on and if there's something that needs changing whether it's your own behavior your the way you deal with uh, friends family co-workers husbands wives children um, maybe some bad habits addictions you want to Work on getting rid of, or the smoking, too much booze, overeating, uh, whatever it is. Um, maybe work on a new exercise program. And you can exercise in your house. It's okay to go out and take a walk, take a hike, as long as you're not in crowds of people and you have your mask and your gloves on. But, you know, putting on your Pilates tape or putting on your 
Zumba or, or, or yoga or whatever, taking online uh, yoga classes. I know there are a lot of people that are doing live online yoga classes, Pilates, um, but really taking the time to slow down, slow down the crazy pace in life that a lot of us um, normally move in of too fast, 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 cram all these activities in and don't take the time. It sounds cliche to stop and smell the roses, but now we're kind of being forced to do that. Stop and smell the roses, plant, plant some roses in your backyard, in your front yard. Um, yeah, go through and clean out the clutter, donate clothes you don't need, old CDs, books you don't need, anything like that. Um, and help other people. I've heard a lot of stories of People saying, you know, I've had more positive interactions, whether it's even though it's six feet at a distance and you're talking to each other through a mask, that there have been a lot of positive interactions with people during this crisis and people helping neighbors, calling up neighbors or texting neighbors. Hey, I've got extra paper towels. I've got extra toilet paper. Do you need some Um, helping people out, checking on older people, people who live alone? I think this is a really difficult time. If you're living alone, all by yourself, you don't have a partner, you don't have a roommate, a husband, a wife, even pets, this is really hard, I think, on folks that are by themselves. So I would encourage you, if you know, I think all of us know somebody like that, check on them, give them a call, text them, message them, Skype, do a Skype call, um, even go put your mask on or gloves on and go tape a note to their door, make sure they're doing okay, and ask them if they need anything. Do they need, you know, some groceries dropped off or um, medication picked up or for you to help them contact friends and family they haven't seen in a while. I think there are a lot of um, ways that we can help each other and um, maybe reconnect and maybe um, being a little kinder to each other. We have, we're as We've, everyone, so you've seen the public service announcements, you've seen the um, all of the news anchors and local and national shows have done commercials. Hey, we're all in this together. And we really are. Whether we want to be or not, we're all in this together. And how can we do our part, uh, take care of ourselves, keep ourselves healthy and safe, our family members, but friends also, and even strangers. There are a lot of ways you can volunteer. Uh, there's, I'm, I'm getting involved with the CV mask. Last week we had Darcy Daniels and Michael Holmes on the show talking about the CV mask um, website, www.cvmaskproject.com, where there's a local, uh, people have gotten together, this local group to sit down, of course, sitting up away from each other, feet away from each other with masks and gloves, and cutting out patterns for gowns and masks for our local first responders. And then there's another group who we ship them off, another group that sews them and puts them together, another group that delivers them to the hospitals and medical facilities that need them, nursing homes, etc. So the ways that you can help, um, absolutely. Um, and don't I've heard these stories. Please, if you're going to wear gloves and go to a grocery store, please do not take your gloves off and throw them in the parking lot as you're leaving or throw them in another cart. When you, if you have gloves on, if you want to get rid of your gloves, there are trash cans. There are trash receptacles outside of pretty much every store. That's where you put them. You're defeating the whole purpose. If you go into a store with a mask and gloves and you're staying very safe and everybody's spraying everything down and then you take off your gloves that might have bacteria, germs, whatever, and throw them on the ground in a parking lot where there are a bunch of other people around. That's really um, inconsiderate, unsafe, and um, 
not smart, just not smart and not a good citizen thing to do. So please, if you're going out with gloves and you need to get dispose of them, put them in a trash can. Same with disposable masks. A lot of ways you can make your own mask. They're online. There are all kinds of how-to tutorials online. Um, some people, you can just do tie a bandana around your face, your mouth and nose as you go out. Again, the reason we're doing masks is not to um, – protect yourself but to protect other people so you're not breathing and spewing out because again they've said a lot of people we don't know you might not you don't know if you have the virus or not if you're not in a place where you can get tested and there's not enough tests anywhere you can be asymptomatic and still be infected with the virus and perhaps pass it on to someone else unknowingly so that's why we wear the mask so you are keeping all your germs and breath um, contained behind your mask and not sending them out into the, the air or to people around you. So please be considerate um, with other folks. But also don't be judgmental. Um, uh, as long as you're doing the basics, you're staying home as much as possible, only going out when you really need to to get groceries, etc., wearing your mask and your gloves. It is okay to walk your dogs around the block as long as you've got your mask and your gloves on and you're not, if you see other people, you're keeping your distance. That's okay. It is okay to go on a hike all by yourself <clears throat> or with your partner that you live with, with your dogs, as long as you're not in a big group. You're on a, taking a hike somewhere where nobody else ever goes. It's wide open spaces. Keep your mask and your gloves on. And um, then you're that's okay also. We're not imprisoned. You can go outside and get some fresh air. Go in your backyard. Go in your back. Go in your front yard and do some yard work. There's a lot of ways to um, get a little fresh air and not feel like you're in a prison. Um, okay, I want to read a couple quotes. And we're gonna, when we come back after the break, uh, John <clears throat> McMullen is going to join me. We're going to just chat a little bit about how he's dealing with it, the radio station, etc. But I always like to, in times like this, I like to find some... Um, positive quotes you can go online and find all kinds of quotes about dealing with adversity because obviously we're in some adversity here this is some pretty serious stuff so i found a couple of them online that i really liked <clears throat> here's one you can't be brave if you've only had wonderful things happen to you and that's really true and i um i personally like, would far rather sit down and have a conversation at a cocktail party or wherever with somebody who's been through hell and back, who's had some really tough times in life, whether it was uh, personally with relationships or lost a job or uh, divorce or got battled back from cancer. People have been through tough times and come out the other side, I find are more interesting, more empathetic. Uh, and more uh, less judgmental of other people very oftentimes. Here's another one. Adversity does not build character. It reveals it. And that's really the case. You want to see what somebody's really like? Put them in a very tough situation, in dire straits. And you either become, you become more of what you already are. You either become you know, a victim, wallowing, crying, feeling sorry for yourself. You become really nasty and angry and, and lashing out at other people. Or if you're a spiritually evolved, kind, giving, caring person, you become more of that. Uh, one more, a couple more. Good, good timber does not grow with ease. The stronger the wind, the stronger the trees. Love that one. All right. We're going to take a little break here on the Culture Corner and I have radio. We're going to be joined when we come back with John McMullen, who runs the place, and we'll chat with him. Local talk that's moving the needle. 
art exhibitions to modernism, music festivals to live theater. If it's happening in the Coachella Valley, it's on the Culture Corner with Bonnie G. And we're back on the Culture Corner and I have radio. So, Brian, on my wonderful board up, who also has his own film show, you had something you wanted to share with the listeners. Tell us about it. Hey, so I wanted to listen. I wanted to um, share this thing that Andrew Lloyd Webber is doing. He is actually doing a every Friday on the show must go on YouTube page. He is doing a fundraiser where he puts on the full length musical that a full length live stream of a musical recording that was done in the past. So this week it's Phantom of the Opera with Ramin Colio and Sierra Burgess performing. Last week was Jesus Christ Superstar from the 2000 recording. And then the week before was um, Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Every week will be a new show for 48 hours. So Friday through Sunday. Mm -hmm. And you can donate to the Actors Fund, which is an organization that will help house and help financially support people that have been hurt by the COVID-19 crisis. It's a great opportunity to not only kill a couple hours, you know, you can watch this musical for as much as you can on YouTube, mm-hmm. 48 hours, and you'll get a great show because I love Andrew Lloyd Webber, who doesn't? Of course, yeah. <laughs> and um, you also get to, you can choose to donate if you can to the Actors Fund. And I think even clicking on the views, YouTube will monetize it and be able to give money. And I'm sure, and, and I think Andrew Lloyd Webber will be make, will giving all the money that he makes off of the YouTube to um, to charity. And he also is doing it on his own YouTube channel, Requests, so you can see live streams of him playing his songs on piano. He's done All I've Asked From You, mm-hmm. uh, Memory From Cats. So you'll see a bunch of shows. He even said, we'll get some of the lesser shows every Friday too. So even the ones that no one talks about, like no one wants to talk about by Jeeves anymore, but it's going to be premiering. So that'll be fun. Isn't he the secret twin brother of um, Robin Leach? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Could be. You never know. So, well, thanks, Brian. That's great. That's good to know. And there's, there's really a lot of great entertainment that, that people are putting on uh, YouTube and that kind of thing. So John McBone has joined us. So John, what, um, What's what have you? What's new with you or with the radio station? I know, I know, iHub is now offering free advertising for local businesses to keep them afloat. We're so what's what's best. what's new with you since we talked last week? Well, since we last talked, we had a big uh, thing happen. Uh, I think it's big anyway. Uh, anytime when we have some of our favorite family members come back to the nest, I think it's a great thing. And so earlier this week, I heard from our friends Melissa Niederman and. Uh, Bobby Eakes, who mm-hmm. just recently moved down to Savannah, Georgia, with her husband David Steen, and the two of them are going to come back together in a bi-coastal production that will launch on Saturday, May second, here on iHub Radio. Uh, it will be on every Saturday at nine a.m., and we're going to move uh, time to prosper to seven a.m. It'll also repeat in the evening, so for people who that's a little too early for, um, but. Bobby and Melissa will be back with an all-new series of Pop City broadcasts. That's great! Yeah. Yay! That's yeah, fabulous. So we're thrilled Excellent. to have them back in the in the mix, and it it really you know it brings a couple more people who are very uh, involved in the very vibrant uh, not only arts scene but just really in the uh, they're very they have been very involved here in the in the valley with a lot of philanthropic things sure. and yeah. and mm-hmm. all that. So it'll add to more of that real community spirit that I think we fill our Saturdays with and and have throughout the week. 
Yeah, that's it. That's super. That is really, really great. Yep. So what what have you found, John? Well, I'm, I'm curious in your day to day travels. I know you spend a lot of hours at the station, but, you know, we all have to go, you know, go out and get groceries occasionally, do that kind of yep. thing. Have you seen more uh, positive interaction behavior with people or more jerks running around out there? Uh, hard to say. I don't want to say I've seen a lot of jerks. I've seen I've seen some people that, you know, make me take pause because I feel like you have to be an ostrich and have your head in the sand at this point to mm-hmm. be out in a place that's a, a public place where people are gathering uh, to do things like do their shopping or to go to doctor's offices or whatever. And where I'm always surprised, even when I see one, two or three people who are working or wearing, not wearing a mask or something yeah. covering their face in a public environment, mm-hmm. um, I will admit that I was mad at myself today because I came to work and realized when I got here as I got out of the car, wait a minute, I forgot my bandana today. Mm-hmm. And I usually have it around my neck all the time. Right. And so, um, you know, and, and but I thought, you know, pretty much with the exception of coming into the studio here where I'm only going to be around a couple of people at most today uh, and can keep my distance, my safe distance, Mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, I just feel like we all have had enough uh, of a warm-up and warning that we need to remember to do these things. So when I see people out with their families on bicycles and the kids are wearing masks, but the parents aren't wearing them, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. what kind of message does that send? When you're taking your dog out for a walk, you never know if you're going to encounter somebody in the course of taking a walk and, mm-hmm. and you're not wearing a mask. What's going on here? You know, yeah. that's the only kind of real knuckle headedness, shall I say, <laughs> that I'm seeing out there. But yeah. I think for the most part, it's it's really encouraging to me to see people of all ages, all, uh, you know, walks, races, et cetera, in our community uh, that make up the diverse valley that we live in doing what we're supposed to do for the most yeah. part to stay healthy. And I think that's why we're seeing uh, the numbers not grow tremendously in terms of new cases here in the Valley this past week. Right. Isn't there, doesn't, isn't Riverside County, don't, aren't they, they're giving out tickets and finding people, aren't they now? With, if you're out public with no where mask? you're at in the county and what you do, the, the county has said you have to cover your face. But mm-hmm. uh, in Palm Springs, the municipality, they got really serious about it in places, establishments that are letting people come in and, and uh, do business with them that are not uh, having, uh, you know, their faces covered and so on. If you go into a store and, and the police find out that uh, that they're not doing something to enforce keeping people out who are supposed to be following these rules in the city of Palm Springs, first offense is $5,000. Second offense is 25000 That's Whoa, a so steep they're finding picket. the business. Yes. I'm sorry? Are they finding the business or the individual person that I comes think in? That, I think both are subject. Wow. Yeah. So they're not messing around. Well, you know what? These people, I mean, here's, uh, to me, it's just common sense. Okay, if you're going to err on one side or the other, okay, let's say we are we were overcautious and we, you know, stayed in our house. Isn't that better than death? <laughs> I mean, I death is on the other Nobody's side. Nobody's going to die from being overcautious. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like these people, I, 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 so I want to get one more, stick around with John, I want to get one more quote, quote right, before we run out of time. This okay. one was Walt Disney, which I thought was amazing. He says, all the adversity I've had in my life has strengthened me. You may not realize it when it happens, but a kick in the teeth may be the best thing in the world for you. <laughs> and I just think- I agree. Some, Sometimes that's true. I think we will emerge from this uh, for the better because of these things. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I mean, I think, it, it, first of all, hopefully we won't take stuff for granted. You know, going out to a restaurant with your family or going to a movie or going to, you know, it's going to be seem really special when we can do it again. Not taking, but again, I also think use this as a silver lining. You know, do that creative project at home, clean out your closet, get to know your your husband better, your wife better. I mean, that, this is the time to do that, and that's the silver lining I think to all this. Yeah. And hopefully, being a little more caring about other people. Have a great week. Okay, thank you, John. Thank you, Brian. See you guys next week on the Culture Corner.